Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brothers and sisters. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. How are you brothers and sisters? Uh, alhamdulillah, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we praise him, we glorify him. We ask for his peace and blessings upon our beloved prophet, our master, our guide, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama salaita ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim. Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, another edition of the COVID uh, vi- coronavirus diaries. And inshallah, today I am joined from Birmingham Sharif by Brother Mazen Beg. Assalamu alaikum, Brother Mazen. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Akhi Taji. It's an honor and pleasure to see you uh, and to talk to you and to your. To it's uh, wonderful for you to agree to join us. Uh, alhamdulillah, we've been looking forward to it. Um, uh, alhamdulillah. Um, brothers and sisters, my first request to you as always is to please grab your phone uh, or whatever device you're watching on and with your uh, go and share the video, please. Share it with your, your aunties, your uncles, granddad, grandma who are in self-quarantine and are bored right now. Uh, inshallah, go and share this with them. Um, so that we can all, inshallah, engage in this discussion. And as I'm speaking, I'm doing the same on my page as well. How are you, Brother Mazam? Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, I'm fine. How are you, Akhitaji? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Amin, I'm fine in, in London. Um, all, all good. Alhamdulillah, we're, we're rolling with it, um, with, with this situation. We ask Allah for strength and aid to us, inshallah ta'ala. Um, brothers and sisters, at the start, we normally play this uh, dua, one of the many dua that we can make, which was taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to make in such times. So let's pray the dua now. <laughs> Brother Muslim, good to see you, good to be with you. Brothers and sisters, it's going to be a conversation between myself and Brother Muslim, but also you're part of the conversation. So I would love you to please, below the video, your questions, your comments, your thoughts, um, I would love to hear from you so I can put them to Brother Muslim, inshallah. Uh, Brother Muslim, Birmingham. Um, Brother Muslim, for those of you who don't know, most of you know him, but um, he's uh, he's an outreach director of CAGE. Um, which is, Brother Muslim, I'm sure you've been asked this question many times. Yeah. What does CAGE do? Um, well, according to the government, make trouble all day long. And according to us, defend the, uh, uh, the Muslim community in the United Kingdom and elsewhere, those who have been uh, targeted and affected by the war on terrorism in particular, uh, and advocating for, for the defense of Muslims uh, in that regard, to, um, using various methods. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So that's, that's, that's Brother Muslim. Um, 
You're in Birmingham. How how has Birmingham been uh, with this issue, coronavirus, the community? Uh, how have people been affected? What have, what is your sense? Uh, the truth, brother uh, Taji, is that Birmingham, of course, is not London, and, and London has been affected uh, far greater than any other place in in, uh, in the UK and indeed in the world. I think uh, it's, it's in top places. Uh, so Birmingham is the little brother, the very younger brother of, of London. So whatever happens there happens here, but on a far less um, greater scale. Just to give one example, I know that at the Excel Center, for example, uh, that there is a hospital being built and it's already uh, prepared, uh, and that there are there about four to five thousand beds. In Birmingham, also we have the National Exhibition Center, which is also being utilised, which has a similar number of beds. So even though we're not the same size as London, uh, the, the, the precautions in this regard. Uh, for, that have been outsourced are, are, are equal to London. The deaths here are, are far less. Uh, the numbers of coronavirus um, uh, people affected by it are, are less, but it is growing. And in the beginning, we thought, oh, it's not going to be so bad in Birmingham because um, uh, the, you know it, it's it's all London-based. One of the problems, and recently, a brother, I, uh, I've, I've seen a report that he wrote, uh, Jahangir Muhammad, about how. Uh, it's going to affect the communities um, from Muslim communities uh, because of how we live. Uh, extended families, uh, lots of gatherings, lots of social gatherings, um, and so forth, and, and people with heart disease, diabetes, uh, and being in those high-risk groups. So we need to be extra careful, and there's a high concentration, as you know, of Muslims in Birmingham and surrounding areas. No, when I when I think of Birmingham, it it in the UK, it's it's one of my favorite places to come to. Um, the brothers and sisters, when I come to Birmingham, Sharif, their hospitality is is just it's fantastic. So there is a concentration of our ummah there. Um, you had a post up on your Facebook page a few days ago, actually about a, a janazah that you attended. Yeah, uh, Subhanallah. This was uh, on Monday, just gone. And uh, I had got a message from some friends uh, about his, uh, somebody we know quite well, the family that we know, um, that her, her uh, father and mother had both contracted coronavirus and passed away on the same day. The janazah of the mother happened on the Sunday, and on the following day, the janazah of the father. It was an early uh, morning janazah in the same graveyard that where my mother was buried about 40 odd years ago. Um, and so when the brother asked me to come along, we'd already, the lockdown had already begun in, 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 in Birmingham, um, but I, I couldn't. He said, he said that people were literally afraid to come to the graveyard. And I thought to myself, there's, there's no way I'm not going to go. And Alhamdulillah, we went. Uh, the janazah wasn't prayed in any masjid. It wasn't prayed in any uh, place. It was created next to the grave itself. Um, and it was a very quick affair, very solemn and very quick affair. A handful of brothers there, uh, the people who came, they came in a complete hazmat suit, um, covered from head to toe. It seemed surreal. And it, it sort of, in, in, in one way, reminded me of when I buried Shuhada in, in, or in Afghanistan or in Bosnia, where the affair is very quiet. Uh, there's no janaz, of course, there's, there's no ghusl, there's none of that stuff happened. And uh, you just bury the person and, and everybody walks away. That's a very simple affair. And it just reminded me, though the circumstances are different, of the hadith of the Prophet said that whoever dies in a place where a ta'un or the plague comes, 
if they remain there, sabir and muhtasiba, that they are patient and uh, seeking the reward with Allah, He will give them the reward of the shaheen. So I thought to myself, Subhanallah, thought in Britain that not only could you um, get the reward of a shaheed, you'd almost be buried in in a similar way to how shuhada are buried. Subhanallah, Subhanallah, the, 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 you know, this is a picture that I think some of us are still trying to process. Um, this disease, it, it seems when people end up in hospital, they can end up, they usually end up alone because it's infectious. One of, one of, my, one of my friends in Birmingham, his wife, a few days ago, has been taken to hospital and he could not follow her. No. So, you know, he has to be calling the hospital and it's very difficult to get through. So people are sick alone and people are dying alone. Although Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, reminds us in the Quran, we, we did this in a program a few a few days ago with Dr. Abdul Wahid that you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds the believer that uh, you're not alone. Yeah, uh, that the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be there. So Allah reassures us in sort of facilitate. Um, but you know the janazah that you went to when they brought the body, was it, you know, was it, was it, how is it different from what we normally experience at the, at the Janazah? So, as I said, the, 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 a couple of things. One, one is people are social distancing. So, he's saying salam to brothers, but you're putting your hand on your chest, um, Artugal style. Um, uh, and at the same time, people are wearing masks, people are wearing gloves. So, already there's a sense of difference. There's far less people there than there would be at any normal, regular Janazah. Um, yeah. And people are solemn and worried and concerned. Uh, we did play relatively close to one another when we played the Salat of Janazah. But I know that since and before that time, um, people are even social distancing in the, in the Salat of Janazah. So essentially, and of course, from what I understood, there, no, there was no ghusl done of the body. Um, and so all of these things, are, as I said, they're, they're uniquely different. Um, it's the, the prayers done, the, 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 the burial done very quickly. And because there are so many people trying to dig in the mud and to put it in there are times when you're going to get close to one another and each time then becomes a a sense of oh did i did i overstep my mark am i have i now contracted it am i going to spread it with somebody elsewhere but mm. in front of you you're, you're burying somebody right there and that's what matters at that moment okay um somebody brother Muslim, somebody say maybe your sound is a bit low i i can hear you fine um, it just said, maybe, could you come closer to the sound? Um, can people give me a sense, anybody down there? But uh, I've only heard one complaint, so it does not mean that it's Ijman. Okay, so let me just say a sentence that has completely nothing to do with this, or won't take away that the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog because the dog had sat and ate so much. Um, mashallah, mashallah. Some of our teachers back in the day listening to that would be very proud of you, Brother Marzan. <laughs> um, Birmingham, so we're being affected. Um, it is now coming home. I think we can now, we now know people, friends who have been affected. Um, brothers and sisters would love to hear your questions for Brother Muslim, your thoughts, um, your ideas. Ah, Bin Khalil says that we can hear. Bilal Tahir says better. MashaAllah, Mubtaz, Mubtaz, Alhamdulillah, I mean, um, facing this situation, which is new for us, um, you, you wrote about uh, an experience you had in Guantanamo that in this situation, you know, it, it's very uncertain times and that a Muslim might be thinking, when will it end? Um, you know, when can I plan? And you, you, I was reading a post that you put up earlier on about an experience, I think, with a Kuwaiti brother, one of the Shayuk in Guantanamo. Um, yes. What was that experience and what can we take for that from this time when 
some of us are feeling anxious. We can't plan. Our routine is upside down. And, and as Muslims, you know, I think, how do I deal with this? Uh, SubhanAllah, you know, I was spe actually speaking to this sheikh today. Uh, his oh, name is no. Faiz Al-Kandari. If if, for any Arabic speakers, he's uh, very well known amongst the, uh, um, especially for his YouTube videos that he gives about uh, durus of different things. He, st he spent uh, 14 years in Guantanamo. And that's only... Four, 14, one, four. Four, 14, 14 years in Guantanamo. And again, he's one of these sorts of people that you could never have imagined that unless you actually know him, you would have never known that he was with his... He speaks with such clarity, calmness, love and composure. And of course, I remember, subhanAllah, the day, this was when we were taken in by the Americans, held, we'd been stripped naked, we'd been spat upon, we'd been beaten, we were... Uh, they shaved our beards, they shaved our hair. Uh, I mean, it was very brutal at this point. And they'd done it to everybody, including Sheikh Faiz, who had a huge long beard. And we were in this, in this detention facility inside Afghanistan before they sent us to Guantanamo. And I was in, in, a, in a converted bunker uh, that had been made into, into cells, separate cells. And I, I was in a state of shock like most of the brothers. And Sheikh Faiz, subhanAllah, he got an opportunity to come out of his cell with the guards because he was collecting some trash and uh, you know some rubbish and he used that as an excuse he didn't see that as something that demeaned him rather he, he thought that this is a, a, an honor and blessing that he can go around and speak to brothers and say these, these beautiful words what did he say he said that's all he said that that the the help of allah is close and he would go from cell to cell passing even though the goat, he was completely shackled he had shackles around his waist and shackles around his his, uh, his hands and shackles on his leg and as he the shackles clinked along and he walked past he'd say that i i give you tidings brothers that the help of allah is close and of course this is from the verse in the quran when, when uh, allah says that you know do, do you think that you will uh, do you think that you'll enter Jannah and that you won't be tested like those who came before you? That they were They were tested so hard and with difficult trials until the earth shook and the prophets um, and those who believed with him said, When is the help of Allah? And the reply was, And you know, I was released three years later, the Nasr of Allah did come. And for him, it came 14 years later. And it only strengthened our Iman. And in his case in particular, when I look at him, I think, SubhanAllah, I remember those words. Uh, and, uh, you know, Guantanamo and that whole experience never let him uh, become uh, despondent that the help of Allah actually came whenever Allah decided for him that was best for him. SubhanAllah. And I, and I guess the, the relation for us in these times is people are thinking, when will this be lifted? Um, what will be the, the end of the believer with this situation? What about, what about, what about? There's all this. And again, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help, whether for this situation of lifting this plague, whether the situation of our ummah that's suffering in Kashmir, in Syria, then inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Allah's help and victory will be close, inshallah. Brothers and sisters, you're watching coronavirus diaries uh, 9 p.m every day inshallah alhamdulillah today's our 11th day may allah be praised he's so kind he's permitted us and given us the opportunity 
Uh, today I'm with Brother Moazan Bank, the uh, Outreach Director for Cage Prisoners. Inshallah, tomorrow, ta'ala, I will be joined by uh, Dr. Mohammed Malkawi, um, Coronavirus and the Collapse of the World Order. Um, we've had various discussions on the show, so inshallah, please make sure that you do join us um, on the show. Love to hear your thoughts, your questions, your comments. Uh, let me quickly look at Facebook. Um, one of us, Shuyuk, uh, Sheikh Mohammed Ismail Abdul Manaf, Brother Mazen, he says, how can we plan 2020 Ramadan in the middle of COVID 2019 as you spent Ramadan in the prison for years? Uh, I mean, there's a couple of things I just want to mention that first of all, this, this, you mentioned the part about people are alone and that really resonates with me, not because I was alone. I was alone for a period of years in Guantanamo, but because it reminded me of a companion of Rasulullah that he will walk alone and that he will die alone and shall be raised alone. And of course, he was talking about Abu Dhar al-Ghafari. And that, that's really important because the Prophet's words came true about him when his wife was with him on the day that he died and she cried and said, I've got nowhere to, no, I can't bury you, I can't do your janazah, there's nobody here. He said, don't worry, take me to the side of the road, somebody will come past and get them to bury me. And of course, Abdullah bin Masood came past and he saw and he remembered what the Prophet said that on that, uh, that day in Tabuk um, when the Muslims had gone out to fight the Romans. And he, he, he said, subhanAllah, that you will be raised alone, you will die alone. Uh, and uh, that's exactly what happened. So even with that, there are examples for us from our, from our, from our salaf. Um, I would say this, Akhi, that when I was in Guantanamo and Bagram and so forth, the first two years, uh, in fact, all of the years of, of Ramadan were very difficult. The first year, um, Ramadan came, and we didn't know what the time for suhoor and iftar was. We didn't know. We were in a, in a closed-out bunker. We had no. We couldn't call the adhan. They punished us for calling the adhan. Uh, they would tie our hands to the top of the cage if we called the adhan. Uh, they punished brothers if they recited the Quran. And when if, uh, Ramadan came for that first year, they gave us our iftar meal, which was mostly moldy bread or, or a, a, what's they call a meal ready to eat, which is a cold meal um, pre-packed, uh, about three to four hours after iftar. And, uh, you know, things like Eid, Salat al-Jama'ah. We couldn't pray in Jama'ah. If, if we prayed in Jama'ah, they would run to us, into our cells, and drag brothers out by their hair or beat them or... So we couldn't. I didn't pray in Jama'ah or Jum'ah or, or any of those things or even the proper Ramadan for three years. And many of the brothers didn't do it for 14 years or 15 years. The point about this is that the Masajid now are closed, the Jum'ah is over, but the Salah is alive and will always be alive. And I've told many, many brothers before the story about how I praised my first Salah in U.S. military custody, tied up with my hand and my back, with my legs shackled, a hood over my head, and a knife placed to my throat. And an American soldier, he says, that if you say, if you speak, I'll slit your throat. And at that point, uh, 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 the brother who was also on my side, who was a Libyan, in the same uh, circumstance, he said, Allahu Akbar. Um, and we began, that's how we prayed. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as, as you can see, the, the American soldier didn't uh, do my dhubh, and I'm, I'm still alive. And uh, my, my point is this, the, the Salah, we will be able to do it wherever we are. The whole world has been made into a, 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 a masjid for us. And 
you know, it also reminds me, we're not praying in our, in our masajid at the moment, but the Prophet also said, you know, he was talking about the sunan, but the, we can take the meaning of this, is that don't make your uh, your homes into graveyards. Brothers and sisters, um, the, I'm trying to read the... Uh, Junaid Qazi says, born alone, walk alone, die alone, subhanAllah. Um, Shabma, we must... We must get out of this strengthened, uh, inshallah ta'ala. Um, Brother Moazel, you know, one of the things we just touched on now is the ability not to be able to do the communal things we do. We pray in jama'ah, we go to Salatul Jama'ah together, um, we bury our dead, all these communal things. And, you know, from the years of being in those situations in Guantanamo, being locked up, um, I'm just trying to think any 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 your sense for us today of how we remain strong in these times when there's confusion doubt people having questions about various things but really for the believer what is the key to remaining steadfast on the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these times when the collective to help you you know taraway you go to taraway and I, th th there's a masjid down the road from me, Finsbury Park which many brothers and sisters know. And there was an imam there. And, and there still is another imam. There, there's Sheikh Rajab, for example. Mm. And I could be tired. I could be coming from work. I could be tired. I could have had a miserable day, physically tired. But okay, I have to pray Salat al-Isha. And when I walk into the masjid, and Sheikh Rajab starts, Allahu Akbar, and he starts reciting. The way he recites the Quran with meaning, his voice will go up, will come down, depending on what the ayah is saying. All that tiredness and all that fatigue and all that headache in my life, this man's leading of the salah used to just transform my salah for me. So on a personal level, this is something Sheikh Rajab is now no longer in the mosque and neither am I. So people think of this thing and think without this collective, with the lockdown, how do we remain strong? I mean, Akhi, subhanAllah, you've touched on something because um, I, I'm sure you're talking about the same, same uh, Sheikh Rajab who's Egyptian and he's blind. Yes, Sheikh Rajab Zaki, the same one. So he comes to Birmingham often, uh, especially during Ramadan. And he does the khutb on, on Juma and he does the reads um, Taraweeh and has done so. And you're, you know, you, the experience you're having Hmm. is exactly the one that I've had when he's led the prayer, subhanAllah. He's, he's, he moves the hearts of the, of, of, of the believers. And you, you, when you hear the words recited, they, 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 I mean, that's really our hearts, subhanAllah, are, are, are shaken. Um, you know, we have to remember, the, Allah subhanAllah says, you know, that in Yom Al-Qiyamah, that in the end, we will all be alone, running from... Um, our, our family members from our tribes, from those we loved, and we'll have to answer for what it is that, that we did. And if death comes to us, one of the things I've been thinking that this death that we flee from, know that it will come to it will seek you out. And then you will be returned to the Noah of the unseen, to the to the Noah and, and, and the, the witness. And he's going to tell you what it is that you did. So it's our deeds. I know as, a, as, a, as an ummah, we are about jama'ah. We are about unity. We are about um, the collective. But we have to build ourselves. And the place we build ourselves is in the home. And so that is what we must utilize. 
And if there's anything I've learned from uh, solitude, uh, you know, Sheikh Lissam Ibn Taymiyyah said famously, what my, can my, my enemies do uh, to me, uh, my paradise and my, and my Jannah in my heart, uh, they do not leave me. But Habsi Khalwa, imprisoning me is my time for solitude and meditation with Allah. And that's what I have to implore upon the brothers here is that you have a very good solitude here if you want it. Um, in that you can go to the shops for necessity, you can work if you have to, you can uh, go out for a walk if you want to. Um, that's the kind of solitude that most of us didn't have. Uh, our solitude was, uh, it, there was torture that included that solitude. There was uh, complete solitude, no, no ability to speak to anyone, let alone your family. So this is one that you could not only welcome, you could uh, benefit from it and prepare for it. This will come, this will end, it will end. Yeah. I have no doubt about it in my, in my mind. What would we have done to take advantage of this period and then afterwards turn around and say, SubhanAllah, I had that sh a short period, I could have done something and I didn't. That's what we have to ensure that this period becomes one of complete reflection for us. Brothers and sisters, coronavirus diaries, love to hear your thoughts, your comments. Um, something that I, I want to link to what you've just said, which is that we have this process now, we have this time, which maybe we've never had, and we may never have in our lives, those who live through it, inshallah ta'ala, of strengthening ourselves. But it's very interesting that um, for those of you who are watching, you don't know Brother Muazzam, other than as Muazzam Beg was in Guantanamo, wrote a book, he's part of CAGE, he's an activist. My point is that sometimes people say strengthening ourselves as just, I strengthen myself for myself. But actually, our deeds, our deeds in life. So at the end of this, this ummah has to carry on. We have to continue to revive the ummah. We have to continue to make sure Muslims here in the West hold on to to this uh, to, to this to this deen. Um, we have to continue to make sure that you know we carry da'wah. Um, we have to continue to make sure that there's so many duties that a Muslim has to do in life, and the salah, the tahajjud of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam together with the Sahaba, strengthened them in Dawr al-Arkam. So when they went into Meccan society and they faced Abu Lahab and Abu Jahl, they were strong. They were ready to sacrifice for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a brother, a dear friend of mine, I had a discussion with him a few days ago, and he put this point in my mind that, look, don't we should be careful that people, he was giving me advice, Yanni, that when people think of when isolation strengthen yourself, he said, yes, strengthen yourself, but for the work that's to come. Not just that you strengthen it. No, this yeah. deen is to be carried, to be lived by, to be established in our lives, in our communities. So, Barakullah uh, for that reminder. Um, question, Brother Moazem, is that a few days ago, the UK government came up with some laws, uh, some, some new laws. Um, personally, I was a bit surprised they needed some new laws, but Yani, they said they needed some new laws. And um, I think... Was there a comment by you, you know, you followed this matter carefully uh, about what new measures are brought. Are there any concerns Muslims should have regarding any of these new laws that have been brought in in these times, supposedly for coronavirus, but are there things people are missing? Um, look, on the one hand, you know, we know that this, this uh, virus is a test from Allah on some people and it is a punishment on others. Um, and we pray for us it is the uh, the former, not the latter. Uh, 
and so I, I don't want to be in the position of blaming any government that they have done this, they haven't done enough of this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, other than where the originator, rather than the originators, the ones who caused the turbulence. Mm -hmm. um, those here, for example, who have brought out laws to police people to ensure um, that if people are not social distancing, if they're not going home, if they're not, if they're in gatherings, break those up. Many countries around the world are, are doing this without any laws. Britain has passed laws, um, as you said, I, I never thought that it needed to um, because it already has some of the most draconian laws that exist in the whole of Europe. And those laws de facto have been applied um, in large part, in the majority part, to the Muslim community. Um, now the entire community should the police be able to break up large gatherings? I, I guess probably you'd say yes. Mm. Uh, but the problem is that we know that any laws that have uh, emergency laws that are passed through, uh, the long term vision of those laws is that the police have more power than um, people have, have ever believed that they could have. So now, for example, literally in, in, in the Peak District, there's, a, there's an old man walking a dog that is filmed by drone helicopter, by police and used as evidence to show that you cannot be doing this even if there is nobody around uh, that what they're saying is that you could cause a risk by driving to a place and having an accident and then placing that's that's a um, risk on the, the the nhs i mean it's a very long-winded thing but it shows mm -hmm. and in other places we've seen uh, that the police will the police have already said it um, that we will use every means of the law in order to ensure that people are social distancing of keeping at home um, but when it will end um, and how it will end Allah alam, I don't know and and I think if any experience we've had in this country is that when there are unchecked laws in the hands of the police then it always leads to no good okay well Muslims should be vigilant Barakallah think for that brothers and sisters coronavirus diaries love to hear your thoughts your comments I'm just slammed a scam the, the the Facebook page um and uh, I'm trying to keep up with the questions. Um, Brother Ibrahim Anderson, we all depend on, we, no, 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 no. the technology is, 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 is moving so fast. Um, Anjan Musafar says, Alhamdulillah, it's good you're addressing this issue. Thank you very much. Ibrahim Anderson says, we all depend on Allah exclusively. We need to know Allah has shown us from the past and we should take heed from this. And with this all, we return back to Allah as believers, inshallah, inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, Brother, the question, um, okay, brother has a question. Brother after Bashir says, the virus has shown the weakness of the strongest of nations. Slow response, weak measures. What is your thought? What are your thoughts for what is to come for the lesser nations, especially the Muslim world? Uh, and is, it, is, is this a time for a new world order? Uh, well, I, I, I think that lots of, of uh, um, commentators from the West are talking about a new, new world order, whether that's good or bad is a different matter. I've heard one, I've read one article about the, this is now the collapse of the Western civilization system. This isn't to say, this isn't just a, a Muslim having, having, having a, a go at, at, the, uh, at the West. This is the beginning of something totally different that they're not being prepared for because of how everybody, including us, live their lives here. We're used to luxuries. And now we're going to have to get used to, if this continues, to basics. And that may be a good metaphor to, for, for everybody to learn to get back to basics. The most important things. What are the most important things in a person's life? Um, and, and here, of course, uh, you know, there's a dua that we make all the time in, in, in the Jummah. Allahumma la tajjala dunya akbar wa hamdina. 
oh Allah, do not make this worldly life our, our, our most important thing. And perhaps that a little bit of that is being tasted now here uh, in Western nations. Uh, alliances are being shifted. To, it, Italy's alliances now are moving towards China and Turkey and Russia more than they were towards Europe. And, and there, there's a movement in, 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 uh, in Italy that's calling to, to leave the European Union. Hmm. So there's a fractious thing going on here. There's no doubt about it. And but also I, I'd warn against too much, reading too much into it. The, the Spanish flu happened in 1918. That was at the end of World War One, when already two, 20 million people had died. Hmm. Uh, they continued. They built World War Two happened afterwards. And the West formed itself into the way that it is uh, with the sort of neo-colonial movements and neoliberalism building itself up there. For, as Muslims, it isn't whether the West is weak or whether the West is strong that is, our, that is important for us. What's important for us is our relationship with Allah and how we're building ourselves. What are we doing amongst ourselves to build and to fortify Islam in our lands and uh, our communities? So whether the West becomes weak or whether it becomes strong, our obligation is still remain. Um, this, this is so true. This is it's so true that people are... I was reading the Sunday papers today and, and people are talking and discussing that the world cannot go back to live in the way it is after this, or can it? And I think that what you find with human beings is when they face a shock like this, that will unsettle things and they're taking actions which they never dreamed about because it's life and death. But when all this settles down and they look to the world, what challenge do they feel in terms of this the banking system, and the, the economic system is capitalist. The, the, what they claim is the best system in the world is liberalism, liberal system. Why are your women covered? Well, you know, you, 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 you go, you, you're still worshiping God in 2020? You Muslim, you're still being religious? You're talking of a caliphate? You're, so they, they still look to the world in terms of the West has the best system. Now that is under question. But unless there is an alternative, people may question for a bit and go back to what they know, no matter how bad that is. And really the Muslim world, you know, I, I got some, I got a message today, uh, some scientists in Bangladesh developing some tests to try to see COVID from X-rays, developing a cheap test. Uh, for, we have experts in Pakistan. We have, we have resources, human capital, intellectual capital. Most of all, we have the Quran and the Sunnah. The intellectual capital the world needs. But all that is nowhere to be seen because in our land, nobody's looking to the Muslim world for solutions for COVID or anything. So inshallah, the day we get our act together and live by this deen, then many in the world will have an alternative to look for when inshallah the Khilafah Rashida returns that, let's look at how those people live. Maybe there's some hope for mankind that there is an alternative that can treat people well, inshallah. I mean, just look, Brother Taji, uh, you, you take a look at uh, uh, Mexico and the, you know, the great wall that they were building there. Uh, mm. Mexican now has actually made a statement uh, saying that no Americans um, are allowed to come into our country. That's <laughs> 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 you know, look, look, look how the turn of the hearts turns the situation around. Um, I think I even heard that, uh, you know, refugees are talking about, you know, wherever you go, don't go to Europe because uh, you're more likely to face death and destruction there than you are in your own country. So things are changing in ways that you couldn't have imagined even a couple of weeks ago. And I think, you know, one more thing we should again, in all of this is a blessing. The, the numbers of people that are dying that I've seen from what I've understood, of course, it's, it's mostly octogenarians and septuagenarians and so forth, people who are mm -hmm. over 70 and 80, 
um, and people with underlying illnesses. Um, there have been a handful of cases where younger people have died. I think some, uh, the first child baby died today. Subhanallah. Um, Subhanallah. And, but the youth, you know, the plagues of the past didn't spare the youth. The plague at the time of the Prophet, the great plague, the Black Death, and all of these uh, huge bubonic plagues, they didn't spare anybody. And uh, so this is just a taste for us. Uh, and it may be that the plague, that this uh, uh, virus mutates and becomes even more dangerous and affects different age groups. So we have to be conscious of that and again, uh, remind ourselves, and this should be a wake-up call for all of us, not you know, uh, for all people. And especially, it's a strong time for da'wah. You, you mentioned how Islam um, has been regarded in the past. You know, there, there's somebody who asked her sister recently, a, a non-Muslim white middle-aged woman, who, she asked the sister who wears a niqab, could you tell me where I can buy one of those, uh, please? You know, where can I buy a, 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 a niqab? Yes, yeah. because uh, people are thinking in different ways now. I mean, I've seen one of the items that's on sale everywhere across my my uh, Facebook timeline is that you know the, the spray the spray for the for the bathroom to use the, when you go to do stinger. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's right because people are selling out of of a toilet roll, gone mad on it. Subhanallah. Brothers and sisters, thank you for joining us. Uh, Coronavirus Diaries today. I'm live with Brother Moazem Beg from uh, Birmingham Sharif. Um, a lot of Muslims in Birmingham, and Brother Moazem said this issue is affecting us, is affecting our community, but also we look outwards. We also look to what is it we can do in these times, in the societies we live in, and in the Muslim world where, you know, there's a lot of things lacking, healthcare, etc. but really we can be, as an ummah, this is an opportunity from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to actually give an example for mankind. One thing I want to, I've just put up a, a post, uh, a picture here. Um, this is, uh, you know, to bring home that this is real, this is a, a newspaper headline, coronavirus, Burton consultant, Amjad El Haurani dies from COVID-19. Uh, so it's a Muslim brother, inna lillahi wa inna rajiun. Um, the last few days, there have been Muslim doctors uh, who are actually on the front line. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept them, to grant them jannah, to forgive them, and uh, really to give sabr, inshallah ta'ala, to their families. Um, Brother Muazzam, you've been to you've been to Syria, you've been to, you know, some of these countries, and you made a comment on your Facebook page. Uh, let me try and bring it up. You made a comment on your Facebook page uh, of maybe in the last few days about um, Syria, and you said the brothers in Syria had a, uh, they had a, was it a Facebook live stream that they had? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um so I guess I guess the question is, you know, um, Muslims in thinking of this situation, coronavirus, thinking of what has been happening in Syria over the last many years. What are your thoughts, you know, from this Facebook Live? What did you get? This, this brothers did it about coronavirus. What was the message? What, what are your thoughts regarding our situation and their dire situation? Okay, yes. Yeah. So, of course, I know these brothers all very well who are in Syria. They include uh, Dr. Shajul Islam, uh, Dr. Rashif, Toxa Sharif, uh, Bilal Abdul Karim, Muhammad Shakil Shabir, and uh, Muhammad Al Ghazi. I know these brothers, mashallah, from the time when I was with them. And uh, amongst them, they, they are uh, journalists and aid workers and doctors and so forth. Um, I spoke to Dr. Shajul before this uh, at, at some length. And, uh, you know, he's a person that's been living literally in the blood of Shuhada and wounded people and treating as many men, women and children as he can. And it's phenomenal the amount of work that he, he's doing 
and the, the threat that he's faced and has not given up. I mean, this is a, these are heroes of our Ummah. And uh, he said to me something really deeply worrying. And that was, he said, Akhi, I've seen all of this death and destruction here, but the thing that worries me and makes me panic more than anything else is this coronavirus. And he said, it's because of where we live. We live in, a, in an area that's almost besieged, it's surrounded. On the one side is the regime, Bashar al-Assad and his people, and Russia and Iran. And on the other side is the Turkish border that opens and closes, um, but there's also walls. So we are enclosed and we have 4 million people here. We have 30 ventilators amongst us and uh, we have poverty, people dying of starvation. If it happens, there's no cases at the moment, but if it happens, that we will not be able to do a, do a lockdown. We won't be able to stop anybody from working to get a little bit of food in their mouth who have been starving. And uh, the sanitary conditions inside the refugee camps uh, are, are atrocious already. It's going to be impossible and it's going to be, uh, it will kill thousands of us. Uh, the only benefit I could say is that because they're so isolated, is that it's hard for, harder for the virus to come in because the smuggling routes open from either side, from Turkey and from the regime side. So it's just, it's just a question of time. And uh, protect because it reminded me, you know, when I sat, saw them sitting all together, these brothers who sacrificed so much on this Facebook, on this Facebook live together, laughing. They're literally laughing in this place and joking and making fun of one another. Uh, it reminded me of the hadith of Prophet that if the people of Sham are corrupted, then there's no good left in you. Um, and as long as there are such people there, there'll be good left in us. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. I think the fact that they were in a sham and they were having a Facebook Live talking about the situation of this ummah, the situation of this world, the concern for the people in a sham that they're trying to look after, say, from war, from the Russian bullets, from the neglect by by the the, 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 the so-called rulers of the Muslim world, the assaults by Bashar, the conspiracies from the West, but still they had time to care about the rest of us. Uh, really, this is something from, from our deen. I think it's our deen. We don't have this me, myself, and I. Because they could simply have said, we're in Syria, we're in a bad situation. You guys, you got corona? Okay, you know, Allah help you. I mean, and uh, they, they, they did say, look, uh, corona for us, you know, people aren't dying of corona where we are. People are dying from bombs, bullets, starvation, rape, murder, and so forth. But what they actually said, you know, the reason why they did this Facebook Live was for us. They actually said, we want to show solidarity to you. We, care, we, we are concerned. About, when I spoke to him, he said, how are you guys? Can you imagine a doctor who's living in a place where almost a million people have been killed asks, how are you guys doing on the ground here? We're worried about you. <laughs> SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. Um, brothers, uh, Stephen Ross says, Tox was making dua for us. SubhanAllah. 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 I mean, this is the beauty of this ummah that, um, you know, in these times, really, we might not be able to meet each other physically. But, you know, even the dua of the believer travels and uh, the help, the goodwill. I've had brothers contact me who maybe I've not spoken to in years uh, for all sorts of reasons. They're living in another part of the world, etc. Um, Brother Zamir Abdullah says, India has also imposed a lockdown where there are millions who live hand to mouth. They face starvation, not being allowed to work. What is your... Oh, gosh. The, as I'm reading one comment, it goes down and then the comments, it gets squirted into another, a, a, another comment. Um, as Zubair Ibn Farouk says, mental health issues is a big problem in Britain. I will get worse with the lockdown. It was the uh, biggest issue is actually dealing with the root cause, but there's a culture of just treating symptoms. What was Brother Mwazan Beg's experience with mental health in Guantanamo? 
Well, the mental health in Guantanamo is, uh, you know, it, the, the extreme isolation. And, and I, I have heard people, doctors and so forth, experts say that there's going to be effects of isolation living here. There are different effects. Some of us live with family members, lot which, with older children, which is it's, it's a bit easier. Some live with younger children, some live with very young children, some live alone. And all of these uh, statuses of people, of how they live, will have an impact on how uh, this pans out if they're isolating. If you're isolating in a home with many people, uh, then you're going to fight for your own space, for your own sanity, especially if you've got lots of young kids making noise. Um, uh, but then at the same time, you can cherish time that you have with them. Uh, if you're alone by yourself and you have no family members and such people that I really can, I'm concerned about, um, then it is going to be really hard. Uh, and you'll have to take uh, um, examples from the lives of people in the past and present who've suffered through such, such, uh, uh, such things. But it can be very debilitating. It, you can, your iman can go rock bottom. Uh, you can uh, lose your connection with other people, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, your mental health could be that you start seeing things, you start pacing, you start walking around, you start fearing for the future. All of those things um, mirror, I think they're much more pronounced inside solitary confinement, but they are, you can mirror some of them here. And so what I would say is that keep yourself busy. Keep yourself busy with a program, build a program. That's what we used to do in, 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 uh, when we were in lockdown in, in Guantanamo. And look forward to, you know, one of the, the soldiers said to me, you know, uh, 558, which was my number. He said, you know, if I was in this place, I'd go mad. How do you guys stay, stay sane? I said, I'd break up my, my day five times. Each time, during those five times, I'd look forward to. And i prepare for those, that, that from one to the next, to the next, to the next. I'm constantly preparing for one break to the next. And that's what we have to do, is to build our lives um, around our salah, not build our salah around our lives. Inshallah. I think that I love this theme of building and preparing, looking forward to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in store for us. The day this lockdown, COVID, whatever it is, disappears, and we're back into the world as we normally know it, how are we going to be as people carrying da'wah? How are we going to be as a Muslim, as a husband, as somebody caring for our ummah? Would we have been better prepared through this time? So, the, you know, like I always think of these, uh, um, I'm not the greatest fan of boxing, but I like this boxing analogy that, you know, these guys, they got a heavyweight fight and they go into a camp for the first two months before the fight. And they train and train and train, but they're training so that on the big night, they come out, Anthony, Joshua, you know, they come out kind of like, they are ready. So the believer really in this state, this closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to help us to be strong believers. So when we, in this year, when we finish this, we're ready to do Allah's work even more, struggling for ourselves, for our community and for our ummah. Um, Farkhan Dafai said, ummah is one ummah. As we are one body, we can feel everyone's pain even we are living far away. Brothers, uh, sisters, join us tomorrow night. Make sure, please, with, I'll be with... Uh, Ustad uh, Dr. Malkawi, Coronavirus and the Collapse of the World Order. Brother Mazam, before I let you go, what advice, I mean, you've maybe just summing it up, if there's anything you want to add really for us in these times that we face, unprecedented, challenging in many ways. Alhamdulillah, the message I'm getting from you for us to be hopeful. And any, any, any parting words of advice for us, inshallah? Um, uh, simply, I, I would say this, that, uh, uh, you know, I walked out uh, today into some shops and found many, many shelves of these shops that are normally full, empty. 
it reminded me of saying of, of Imam Ahmed Hanbal. Though I don't practice this in my house, but he says that uh, the best days of, of, I find are the ones when my shelves are empty, when my cupboards are empty. Subhanallah. So it's the, you, these great uh, Salaf of the past, they relied, they had pure tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they had pure reliance that he would provide for every living creature, let alone um, human beings. I found this throughout all of my work, my work back in the 90s in Bosnia during the war, back in Afghanistan when I lived there during the bombing and in Syria recently, that uh, we, the Ummah, has people around uh, us who have suffered through so much and you could not have um, uh, begrudged them to have lost their Iman. You could have said, okay, fair enough, they've gone through so much, they've lost their Iman. But what happens? The Iman raises and they become even more uh, reliant upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So please, brothers and sisters, you know, there's one, I think Loki, you, you might know who Loki is. Mm. He, he asked this question on Twitter and I asked, he said, what is it that makes that's making you pass through this phase? What are you thinking about? And you know, he's not talking about necessarily from an Islamic perspective, but he's saying, what is it that, that people are, uh, that's helping them through this? And I responded by saying, the sad knowledge that there are many, many people around the world who have it far, far worse than us. And I think we should remember that, that uh, Allah, even in this, has given us a great deal of blessing and that we should take advantage of that. For the believer in every situation, there's khair, inshallah ta'ala, and to think positively of Allah, so positively of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Brother Muslim, um really thank you for, for joining us. Um, really been, uh, been a wonderful uh, discussion to have. A lot of viewers from all over the world, from Qatar, from so many places, uh, from Birmingham Sharif as well, one of my favorite places. I really appreciate your time with us today uh inshallah would i be possible to push it and say maybe i get you back again some other time inshallah it would be my pleasure inshallah my honor and uh, also i have to say this effort that you're doing through this period of time to be able to do this every single day i know requires time effort preparation logistics and so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put this on your mizan and hasanat yom al qiyamah and accept it from you and raise your ranks inshallah may allah accept that dua for all of us and uh, the viewers who join us and the brothers and sisters everywhere keep safe keep close to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 9 p.m 9 p.m have it in your diary yeah 9 p.m brother muslim said you need to have structure to your day 9 p.m you know what you're doing join us inshallah ta'ala coronavirus diary brother muslim thank you very much salam to you and the family salamu alaikum wa rahmatullah Brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. See you tomorrow, inshallah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.